0: Hola, hola, everybody. It's Dr. J. Flo. I'm dropping by to let you know that we have officially ended season four. I wanted to personally thank you for turning in every week to listen to the stories of these amazing Latinx professionals. I hope that you have found a few nuggets of information that you can put to practice to improve your experiences as a professional or as an aspiring one. For the next couple of months, we will be taking a well-deserved break, but don't worry, we won't be going away completely. Every now and then, we will be posting special episodes that can help add value to your life. Also, there is something we're working on behind cameras, and hopefully we will be able to surprise you with something special this summer. So make sure you keep an eye out for that in the next couple of months. That's it for now. We will be back with Season 5 in August of 2022. Until then, let's keep connected and remember, Unidos Somos Más.
1: I always prefer to go with getting it in writing, even if it maybe doesn't have to be. But that's just because I've seen some stuff go wrong, and I'm usually the person people run to when they're like, I don't have a contract, how do I fix this?
0: Welcome to Can a podcast showcasing Latinx professionals who turn their dreams into realities. I'm your host, La Doctora, Jenny De Flores Delgado, and today I bring you tips and tricks shared by attorney Taylor team about the steps that entrepreneurs and small business owners can take to protect their business. And she is here to tell you, Si se puede, my friends. After becoming an attorney, you practiced law with a law firm for a couple of years and then decided to start your own business, providing legal services to small businesses. Or I guess small business owners and Latinx business owners and entrepreneurs. In your dual role as an attorney as a, and as a small business owner, you have identified at least five top legal tips that entrepreneurs and should follow, or that you recommend for entrepreneurs and small business owners. And I would like us to go uh, through one each one of them uh, in the next, you know, in the next minutes that we have to just better understand why those are important to you and why you are recommending those pathways for these people. So let's start by the first tip, which is uh, file for an appropriate business entity to avoid personal liability.
1: Yeah, business entities are the thing that are really going to legally separate your personal assets from your business assets. so um, depending on your business, you know what the course of it is, how much it's making, what you're doing, what the industry is, the timing will depend on a lot of those factors but the thing that'll separate someone from being able to access your personal assets like bank accounts, um, car, home, any of that stuff is to separate the business legally from you as a as an individual. so that's where the entity is important. Mm. And what do you mean by entity? Informal entity for a business, there's a, several different options and they have different names in different states. But usually we're looking at for a small business. So small business is something like an LLC and limited liability company or um, different types of professional um, service providers. You might have to look at like a professional corporation. There's different entities that your state has dictated are a formal business entity where they will legally separate it entirely from you as a person.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess I've 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 heard of an LLC, and we also just recently went through the process of of doing that for our podcast as awesome. well. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to say I was quite confused as to how to go through that process. But and and you said you've, you don't have like you didn't have any attorneys in your family. We don't have any attorney friends mm-hmm. <laughs> besides you mm-hmm. now. And so we're like, how do we go about this? And how do we do this? But actually, the process was fairly easy, I
1: guess. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of just like random paperwork filed in different places. And because the laws are by state and even sometimes by like city, that's the only reason I think it's not better streamlined at this point where you could just like click something and it's done or it's like super easy to find out. But um, usually the best bets are either, you know, if it's affordable to have an attorney help you or there's filing services that will help you kind of get a package together and figure out what you need. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different types of ways to to have it done. But if, if you really truly have no idea how to do it, I would suggest at least like reaching out to somebody who, is familiar with filing that sort of thing to help.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. And so the second one would be seek to register the trademark for your business and brand name.
1: Yeah. So the, the name you pick for your business, it's really important to at first make sure that no one else has rights to that name, or even is using that name, because the minute we are using a name, we have automatic rights in it. So we want to clear the name first legally and and make sure that it's something that we can actually use. And then once we've cleared it, we can go ahead and protect it at either the state or federal level um, with trademark protection to ensure that we legally own the rights to that name, because otherwise we don't actually own the name. We're just using it. But if we want to actually own it, that's the way to to get registered ownership.
0: And what would happen if you don't register the name? Uh, Like what are some
1: complications that may arise? Uh, Not registering the name. Usually we run into either like an issue where if we didn't clear it and we actually find out somebody else owns something very similar to yours and that's either causing a problem or if that person actually comes after you and says like, hey, I actually have rights to the name, stop using it. Um, or if we get down the line and we figure out that we haven't registered it and somebody else actually registered it previously. And now we have to do a whole like dance around how to get that resolved. um, It just gets more expensive as the conflicts arise. So it's Mm -hmm, good to like, mm -hmm. just clear it ahead of time. Um, The only time I wouldn't say like hop into that, like immediately of at least Um, educating yourself on like the clearance process is if you're like starting a business and you're kind of poking around with a name, but you're not really sure about it yet at the point that we are like, yes, I would like to proceed with this name. I am investing marketing dollars and my time and energy into this brand. That's the point where we should start kind of looking into the trademark process.
0: And is there uh, maybe like a straightforward name to check if your name is uh, available if the name for the pra- the brand that you choose is available yeah the
1: um, we usually start with the trademark office um, and it's uspto.gov and they have a public register of all trademarks, so that's a good place to start. Um, if there's, you know, a red flag up there, we'll see it, and that'll give us a good idea of like, oh, maybe we can't use this name. Um, that's not a full, like, comprehensive search though, so it's a good place to start. So if you see something concerning there, that's a good point to kind of figure out like, oh, is this the name can I use, or is there something that's similar? Excellent. Okay, fantastic.
0: Then the next one is uh, register your original work or content for copyright protection. Yeah.
1: So this one comes up for business owners whenever they're creating like um, I have some business owners that create like apparel and they have designs or even they're artists and they create like either 3D like tangible things or they create um, like PDFs or guides that are downloadable, a lot of like educational content too. The way to protect those things, instead of looking at trademark, usually we're looking at copyright protections because copyright law is what will help you protect your original content and creations. And again, it's a registration process, uh, but that's the way that we can really start to protect those areas within the business that are not necessarily brand associated, but they're items that we're putting a lot of time and effort into. They're original, they're unique, and we want to make sure that other people can't just like take them and use them how they want to.
0: But then another thing that you mentioned, another tip is monitor your protected material for infringement. How do you go about it? Especially if you're like a small business owner, you might not really have many resources.
1: Yeah. If you have protected material, um, I mean, there's bare minimum some like due diligence we can be doing like. An occasional like social media search, an occasional like domain name search, you know, just like Googling your name or if there's like brands, um, brand associated like things that are related to your business. Like if you have a line of apparel, if you have a line of clothing or something that you know people might be using. So there's ways you can like search online and kind of get a feel for it. Uh, But also, if you have something really popular and other people are using it or talking about it and it becomes like viral or really popular online that's another good time to check in and be like hey do i have the things protected that i need protected because i know it's flattering to have people either like use your work as inspiration or take something of yours and like repost it or reshare it but it's important to know like what the rights you have are, so that you can monitor those and protect those. Because if we let those get diluted, that can really hurt our own rights and what we've created. So it's important just to kind of be basically aware of like, okay, here's the you know bare minimum rights I have here. Here's rights I have here. It's it's kind of just the education around it. Like if we want to run a business, we have have to have basic knowledge of like accounting, basic knowledge of um, like negotiating and sales legal is just one of those things like having a basic, basic level, you know, of it is, is necessary. And then if you want somebody else to help you, you know, you can always farm it out to an attorney or somebody else, but it's just one of those things we can't really ignore. Cause it's, it's a, it's difficult. I used to do that with accounting because I hate accounting and I hate taxes. Mm-hmm. And I just, at one point yeah. was like, I have to hire out for this. Cause I don't really understand it fully. And those people are going to handle it because they're experts.
0: And so the next one is, uh, contracts, 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 always get it in writing.
1: Um, I always prefer to go with getting it in writing, even if it maybe doesn't have to be, but that's just because I've seen some stuff go wrong. And I'm usually the person people run to when they're like, I don't have a contract. How do I fix this? Um, You know, thinking about the relationships that you have with people that you're working with in your business, uh, people that you're bringing in to help you, anyone that is not you as a business owner, you need to probably have something in writing with them because there's a legal relationship there that we want to protect things like payments, who's getting paid, um, intellectual property, are you sharing, you know, your trademarks or copyrights with these people? They shouldn't be taking them. You know, what confidential information are you potentially sharing with these people? It's really about just, you know, putting in writing and dictating what the relationship is so that you can protect it if there's an issue later on with somebody like stealing something or somebody, you know, having a payment dispute. It's just good to kind of have a paper trail of all that.
0: And so sometimes, for example, uh, maybe some people just want to be old school, or maybe just some people want to believe in the goodwill of people, of other people. And they just say, you know, we kind of agreed on this and we'll just move forward without putting it in writing, right? Or sometimes for me, what has happened has been different than a contract, but for example, on a salary negotiation, I like negotiated a work from home day and then, you know, maybe I forgot to put it in writing. I think that something like that happened to me on my first job, right? In which like we talked about it, but it was never written down. It wasn't obviously part of the contract. And so when I went back to ask for it, they, they said, oh, well, do you have any proof? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, do you have anything in writing? And so I've learned why it's important, but then how do I navigate that awkward situation where people just expect to trust Mm -hmm. you? And you're like, well, for me now, it's like, well, I I do want to trust you, but I also want to have it in writing just in case something happens.
1: Yeah, I think it is a little uncomfortable and awkward to utilize contracts or ask people to sign them when you're not used to doing it. But once you realize that it's very normal Um, most people are expecting something in writing. It's just, I hate to say like practice makes perfect, but if you want your, especially as a business owner, or if you're in a, you know, a corporate type setting, all those people are using contracts and they're putting things in writing and it might not be something that we're familiar with, but it's normal to that world. So once you've been in it, you see it and you're like, okay, I'm used to this, but you have to just, you know, advocate for yourself and be like, look, I'm going to put this in writing and I'm going to trust that like this is a normal thing. Um, you know, I know there are some like backdoor handshake deals that happen, but those are also, you know, those could put you at really high risk of losing like lots of money at some point. So, um You know, I, I think it's, it's kind of as a practice makes perfect thing, like practicing, like how to use them. And and then once you see like it, they go back frequently. Um, And if you really are, you know, wanting your business to be successful and like play at the level that, you know, you're hoping to get to everybody at that level is using contracts They're putting things in writing. So it's just about understanding, like, that's a, that's a necessary thing that we have to just start doing. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so sometimes emails and things like that—they're no contracts, but they—you could you could find some protection from having something written in an email and saying this is what I
1: agreed to. It depends if it could, um, if pieced together, it looks like a contract. For the most part, it's really difficult to do that. And if you take emails to an attorney, it's gonna—you're gonna probably gonna have to pay more just to have that attorney sift through it than you would to just have had put the contract in place to begin with. So um, emails can be used if we can piece together some things, but um, there's parts of a contract that we have to see. Like I have to see a promise in exchange for something and I have to see both parties agree. Usually it's best to get that on, you know, one contract or one piece of paper. Um, So they're not, I don't want to say that they never can be a contract, but it becomes much, much harder to prove that it's a contract. Sometimes they work if you're like, hey, you promised to pay me this and you really push back on the person and they're like, okay, fine. It's better to have that than nothing. So if you're going with like a verbal agreement versus email, I'd much prefer to see something in email.
0: Okay. But just get a contract. I was going to say, it's kind of awkward, yeah. but I'll get better at it too.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're a little, I mean, sometimes I still get kind of awkward, especially if I know that the person I'm asking to sign it probably doesn't use them very frequently or if it's a, like a new type of um, like relationship I'm forming with someone and I'm like, hey, can you sign this? And they probably are like, oh my God, this lawyer is asking me to sign a contract. So I, I even feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, but it's, it's just a method of communication in writing. So if everybody understands... Hopefully, like what everyone's exchanging, they're actually supposed to help. They're not supposed to be like this big scary thing, unless you know the other party is having you sign something that's unfair.
0: Mm, yeah, I think when another thing that I say, it, it's it's going to sound silly, but I don't know if you watched the documentary on Netflix on Walter Mercado. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. It was really sad because he lost so much money because it, somewhere in the contract it said like in perpetuity or something like that,
1: and it just really screwed him up yeah, he lost he lost the rights to his own name um, and that is i mean, I am assuming based on how the the documentary was portrayed that they were taking advantage of a situation, and he just it sounded like he the attorney didn't really tell him what was in there um. And, you know, there's also a huge level of like ethically, if we know that somebody is not fluent in a certain language, like we have to take that into account too. Um, So if you, if, you know, just getting comfortable with contracts and kind of understanding basic things, like having basic level intellectual property knowledge that might've helped him if he like skimmed through the contract of like, why can't, oh wait, who's owning my name? You know, Mm -hmm. so um, and also just reading stuff like you'd be surprised with how many people just don't even read a contract. And then I read through it and I'm like, hey, this is this is not good. Like, (laughs) I don't know if you meant to agree to this, but this is not good. Um, But yeah, just I know they're boring and they're long, but.
0: I at least learned that from from novelas. They're like they they always screwed people up because they signed things. So every time I'm like, no, let me (laughs) let me just read this. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening. If you want to put a face to the voices you just heard, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Latinxcan. If you have questions or feedback, you can email us at latinxcan at gmail.com. And if you want to support our project, please leave a review. We have made it easy for you and added the links to the show notes. That's it for now. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And remember, unidos somos más.